You're listening to the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Adam Gobb. Today, Vincent Wagen joins me as my guest co-host, and we're talking with Ashley Gilliam, who lives here in Gastonia and just recently finished filming and directing Tony, Mamie, and Connie, a story about three women that broke barriers in the Negro Leagues. The film was put together right here in Gaston County during the pandemic, and we're going to learn more about how it came together and what it looks like now. We're talking with Ashley Gilliam, who um, lives here in Gaston County and has put together a, a bit of a unique film looking at three women that participated in the Negro Leagues. Ashley, thanks so much for, for coming in and talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so how did you get involved in, in making this movie? And it's it's a it's a short film, right? Yes, yes. It is about um, nine minutes. Okay. So I had to condense it um, just due to funding, <laughs> of course. Sure, sure. Um, but I started writing, I want to say, during the pan, well, we're still in the pandemic, but right, right in the height of it, 2020, um, I, like everybody else, um, had a lot of free time and I needed an outlet to get my creativity out. And so I said, okay, I'll just start writing. Uh, before then, I never experienced any passion to write, to direct. I said, I want no parts. I would hmm. rather be on the um, other side of things. And so I began writing, and I was uh, sending a lot of the scripts to my two friends, or my friend and my cousin, uh, Samantha Hawkins and, and Monica Cooper. And they kept telling me, they said, well, how, how big of a budget do you have? And I said, well, I didn't think about that. And they said, this script that you're showing is like at least $1.5 million because we don't have <laughs> the money to do these explosions that you want, uh-huh. and, you know, car chases, and, oh, it was just the whole nine. And so yeah. I thought... Okay, well, back to the drawing board. Uh, Wait, you weren't just sitting on a million and a half? uh, No, unfortunately (laughs) not. Right. (laughs) I wish, I wish. Um, But so in that time, I watched a lot of movies, and I watched A League of Their Own with uh, Rosie O'Donnell, Gina Davis, Tom Hanks. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite movies growing up. I loved that movie. And I watched it, and I saw a scene where um, I believe it was Gina Davis's character, had her mitt up and she's waiting for the ball to come to her. And and there's just black lady who throws the ball and they're like, wow, you have skill, you know? Mm -hmm. But then after that, we didn't hear anything else about it. We didn't know her name. We didn't know anything. Mm. And so I said, who is that? And like, there has to be a reason why the director put that in there. Right. Is that a nod to somebody? And I don't know who it is because it could be true. I don't know who that is. I'm 29 years old. I have a lot to learn, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I, I didn't know who that was. And then through research and reading books, things of that nature, I found out it was Mamie Johnson. Oh, wow. This is the jersey of her. Um, and I found out through that that she was not the first. She was the second. It was actually Tony Stone who was the first. And then following Mamie Johnson, it was Connie Morgan. And I thought, okay, well, if I didn't know about this, then I'm sure a lot of other people don't know either, especially yeah. those who are not familiar with baseball. They don't like the sport. Whatever the case may be, there's still a story there. Yeah, and so that's the that's the inspiration. Yeah. So, did you play softball or baseball growing up? I did. I did okay. when I was younger. Um, I went to the boys and girls club in Gastonia, and that's where I had my first introduction going to uh, t-ball first, mm-hmm. little kids, and then I kind of got into softball. But I want to say after middle school, I kind of got a little over <laughs> playing <laughs> sports, and I became a cheerleader, of course. But okay. I've always loved the game. I love sports. Yeah. 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 Do you think it would have meant more to you if you would have known the story when you were a kid? Of course. I mean, 
Because when you think about it, anytime you think about the Negro Leagues, you think of black men and sure. them, you know, breaking barriers. But you never really think about black women playing baseball, mm-hmm. right? And even up until I saw A League of Their Own, I didn't even know women played baseball at all, especially during the 40s and 50s. I never knew that. Right. And so I thought, wow, okay, here's a whole um, section of history that I don't even know, that we don't even know. And if I'm just not finding out about white women playing baseball during the 40s and 50s, I mean, I'm sure there were tons of black women wanting to play, but then not having, or I won't say it's just during that time, them not being able to because they have kids, they have a husband, they have this Mm -hmm. and that. So it was extremely heroic of them to be doing it at this time. Thinking about men that were kind of the ones breaking barriers, and it's like everything with Major League Baseball is is centered around Jackie Robinson. But, I mean, this was very much breaking barriers in, in, in two ways because it's like not only were they black, but then they're women too. I mean, it's like you've got yeah. the double whammy there. Right. And I think I made that, that, that analogy. I said that was like a double whammy, <laughs> being black and then being a woman as well, during that time especially. Yeah. Um, but funnily enough, Tony Stone, when she came onto the Indianapolis Clowns, um, she actually replaced Hank Aaron. When he went to wow. major leagues, that's who they brought up. And so I'm sure you can imagine um, a lot of the guys on the team, which we kind of play on that in the film, of being like, I'm better than her. Why sure. would you give her Hank Aaron's spot? I, I I was you know on the team before her. Why does she get it? Mm-hmm. And then she's having to prove herself to men <laughs> to make sure that um, she's doing twice the work to get half of the respect that they already have. It was a lot, I'm sure. I, can't, I cannot imagine. It's kind of timely. Um, I don't know. You guys know this. The Staten Island uh, Ferry Hawks had the first woman play in Atlantic League baseball game a oh, couple weeks right. ago in, in Gastonia, right? Yeah. See, and then that that takes me to my point of we, we that I'm sure Tony, Mamie, Connie had a, 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 a inspiring moment with, with that as well. And although we've come so far, we've got a little bit farther to go. Sure. So Absolutely. every little thing helps, and every step of the way, it leads us to our goal. So that's awesome. <laughs> How did you go about kind of researching this to, to put the script together? There were a lot of books based on Tony Stone. I could not find anything really about Connie Morgan. I had to really look through a lot of the archives on her. Um, there were a lot of newspaper clippings that I had to kind of resort to. Okay. Um, I did also reach out to the International Women's Baseball Center. Uh, they helped to be able to provide um, the missing links for me. Mm. Um, and a lot was on just through books. I know Martha Ackman wrote a book about Tony Stone. I believe it's called uh, Curveball. And it talks about her. It talks about her life at home. She had a husband um, who was significantly older than her, of course. And he supported her through this entire time. Mm. There was also Mamie Johnson. It was a book called uh, The Perfect Right Arm. I'm forgetting the name of the author right now, but I looked into that and I read that. I think I read that at least two or three different times to make sure that I understood everything that the writer was in, was, was was giving. A lot of that just had to do with going into the baseball archives as well. There was a lot that I couldn't find out because of the times, and of course all of them have since passed. Mamie Johnson passed in 2017, and 
Tony and uh, Connie passed in the 90s. So it's not a lot that we are able to get, but a lot of that has to do with what I found in Martha Ackman's book. She provided a lot of information, a lot of pictures, a lot of newspaper articles that I was able to piece together to come up with the story. Now, did they play together? That is a good question. (laughs) So realistically, um, Tony Stone and Mamie Johnson did play for one year together, but Connie Morgan actually came after Tony left to go to the Kansas City Monarchs. So realistically, historically, they were never on the same team at the same time. But of course, with funding and things of that nature, I had to make sure that I capture... Um, the sense of camaraderie amongst these ladies, Mm. because a lot of times, even with Connie Morgan, she wrote a letter to Sid Pollock, who was the manager at the time of the Indianapolis Clowns, and said, hey, I I saw Tony. This is amazing. Can I at least try out? Or I just want to be around her. Can I speak to her? And that kind of parlayed into an audition or a tryout, if you will, for the team. And that's how she got it. Mamie Johnson, uh, she was actually able to speak to Jackie Robinson. He was actually there at one of the tryouts, and he was showing her how to hit the ball. And there's actually a picture, I think, on our website of them two together. And if you just think about how monumental he was at the time and then being able to help her, I mean, I'm sure she's had a lot of stories saying it was such a monumental thing to be able to – to be able to to be in his presence and to bask in that. So that was was pretty awesome. In doing the research, I mean, what was kind of the the reaction like? I mean, you talked a little bit about the players, but I mean, I mean, were the the crowds supportive, or was this kind of a you know, well, what are women doing out there playing baseball sort of thing? I think so. What happened was a lot of them at first, it was a lot of hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about it, a lot of the times when these baseball teams would go and they would be at certain fields, right. uh, they would get a lot of of heckling from a lot of the crowd that were there. So if you can think that that was happening to the men, double that. And that's what was happening to the women. A lot of them, um, for example, Mamie Johnson, she had a son and she played up until her second trimester, which I have two kids and no. Wow. I can't do that. Um, (laughs) But if if you think about that, it's like, wow. And so after all of these different obstacles and even Tony having a husband, he was he was significantly older than her and he supported her. But, you know, think about it. Your wife is going on a bus with all of these guys and you don't see her maybe a month at a time. And then sometimes she comes home and then she's back out again. I'm sure he was, you know, supportive, but. It's still unnerving to think about that. Yeah. And so it was It was definitely very hard for them. And, and in the books, you can definitely tell that a lot of the, the reaction that they received was not good, but it got better mm-hmm. than before, of course. Um, but it, had, it just took time. People don't like change. And the moment they see it, they're like, wait, what is this? <laughs> You're introducing this new topic. I don't know what I'm what, – what, <laughs> how do I respond? And um, – Pardon me. I said Mamie Johnson was with Jackie Robinson. It was Connie Morgan. Okay. I apologize. So, but yeah, um, that reception was not good. Um, but it took some time, just like anything. Probably even from other teams, right? Just not wanting to play them or yeah, wanting to be on the same field as them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, again, you got to think about it. Um, I did see something where Mamie Johnson, she was a pitcher, and she got a hit off of Satchel Page. Wow. And it's like you. Th- 
Satchel Paige, really? And I think I had to reread that part yeah. again. And she said that was another monumental moment for her is that being able to show the guys like, hey, I have it and I'm better at it than yeah. you are. <laughs> even even though you think, and, and she was maybe 5'2", 125 pounds. Like she was wow. very small. And, and they actually called her Peanut. To be honest, that okay. was her name. Um, she was so so small, and and to think of her uh, being able to match the skills of Satchel Paige, it's like she was really something. <laughs> well, it's I mean I, I remember reading up about Satchel Paige when I was younger and being fascinated. I mean, it's he ended up playing in the major leagues after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier and was like pitching into his fifties. I mean, yeah. unbelievable, crazy, crazy, and and just imagine, I'm sure the uh, audience, uh, the reactions from the audience when she did that with Satchel Page, I'm sure it was like, oh, okay, we know now. Sorry, we doubted you. Right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So this got filmed in Gaston County, right? You actually did some filming um, at Belmont Abbey and then at your grandmother's house, right? Yes. Yes. So that was, um, I think, uh, being at Belmont Abbey, and we totally did not even mean to do this. But in the background of the um, dugout, it was all red. Of course, Belmont Abbey is red sure. and white. Um, and our jerseys, as you can see, they're white. And so just seeing that, everybody was like, how cool would it would have been if it was like a white background with these white jerseys and how crazy it would have looked. Mm -hmm. But it, looks, it looked really, really good. It was super hot. Oh, it was super <laughs> hot. Oh, man. And then... Um, we had different hornet's nests around. Oh, so lovely. We had, we, yeah, in between takes, we would have to be like, be, you know, be careful, guys. <laughs> um, so, but it was so awesome. It was so awesome. Uh, Jason Williams, he's the athletic director over at Belmont Abbey. He let us um, film there. And thanks to my sister, Nicole Woods, she was able to make sure that I had the opportunity to do that. And I couldn't think of a better place to film other than my grandmother's house. I mean, I'm sure if she had been alive, she would be like, who's all these people in my house? <laughs> but she would love the attention, I'm sure. <laughs> and she would have won the $1.5 million. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you talked about, like, some of the, the funding challenges. What were some of the things that maybe you wanted to put in the film that you couldn't? So originally, my screenplay, it, well, it actually went from 11 pages to 40 pages. Okay. And then back down to nine. Okay. Um, and a lot of that had to do with I wanted to include some scenes to um, humanize them. Um, similar to Martin Luther King Jr., um, mm. we look at him as, as a huge figure, which, of course, he is. He's awesome. And he did a lot for um, African Americans. Um, but he was also human, just like the rest of us. And he had doubts, and he was scared I'm sure he was nervous he yep. had a family and I wanted to add that human effect on there and I think I got a, I got carried away <laughs> with that and so it kind of you know made the, the the amount of pages of the screenplay longer and and once I actually thought about it I said okay we just need the facts that's it we just need to know the facts this story is good by itself it doesn't need me adding more cinematic drama yeah. to it as good as it is so, hence the reason why it went down. And the cost, of course. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit more about behind the scenes. How did you film it? Who helped you out? What kind of equipment did you have to buy? Mm, yes. 
it was it was a, a a conversation between myself, my cousin Monica Cooper, and my friend Samantha Hawkins. I knew Samantha. We went to UNC together. Um, we were talking about this, and I really didn't know how to how to do this. This was a first time thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm used to showing up, the director telling me where I need to be, and I do my scenes, and then that's it. Adios. Right. But this time I had to put a lot of stuff in motion. And so thankfully I had Samantha who was very well versed. She had d- just did a, a PSA with me and she knew the ins and outs of what needs to be done. So we, cor- we, we perfected the script, of course. Then we went in and said, okay, well, we need actors. So let's do an, a casting. And so I put the casting notice on there. We got people from North Carolina, from Las Vegas, L.A., wow. Georgia, um, Virginia. Um, it was a lot of people that wanted to be a part. And um, once we got a good a, a good number for the cast, then starts rehearsals. And the rehearsals had to be on Zoom. Of course, we had people in California who couldn't make it out, of right, course. Right. Um, and so that part was easy. It was finding a good cinematographer or a camera guy, sound guy, because that's the bread and butter there. If your sound is horrible, mm-hmm. it's going to miss the mark. If your camera, the angles that you do, people don't understand it, well, they're going to miss it. So I was able to find Andrew Huggins. He's the cinematographer, and he edited the film, and okay. he's amazing. Um, and we put together a storyboard, and I found Joshua Partington, who was the sound guy, Nick Black, who was our gaffer, um, who helps with lighting. They're all located in the Gaston County area, except for Josh. Um, but we came together, and I told them what I wanted, and we put together a storyboard, which is essentially me saying, okay, we're going to start here, and then we're going to end here. For every scene, this is what I want to have happen. So when we're on set, we're not just kind of twiddling our thumbs, wondering, okay, well, what's the next step? And so <laughs> when we finally got there, it was such a surreal moment for me because uh, for the first time, everybody was looking to me for answers. And they were, hey, Ashley, hey, Ashley, hey, Ashley. And I had to be the person that says, yeah, okay, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I had to be the person to give um, my you know, opinion on things and say, hey, I don't really like that. Can we try it from this angle? So that part was very different for me. I'm not used to calling the shots at all. Um, And then at the time, which I'm insane, I know this, I'm going to go ahead and say that now, but at the time I was um, planning my wedding. Oh, Um, my gosh. Yeah, I was doing that, and then I graduated (laughs) from school, and then it was just a lot. So a lot was going on. Um, But we we did it, and um, it I could I can't say it was all me. It was a it was very much a team effort. The cast and the crew, we all came together and and we did a lot of uh, we did great work um, into making it what it is now. No, I'm 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 just interested. Did the script change or a lot of change when you went through this process and really had to figure it out and put it on tape? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of things that and. A lot of directors are different. They'll tell you, I want you to say this, and I want you to say it this way. But for me, I don't like to uh, to to attack things like that. I like to say, okay, well, is this how you would say it? Does this sound right coming from you? And if you say, well, 
I would actually say it this way um, because it's hard for me. Well, I won't say it's hard, but I'm a, a, an African-American woman. I don't know what an African-American man will say. Mm-hmm. He may say it a little differently. Maybe he says, bye, honey, instead of me saying, bye, sweetheart. You know, he doesn't like, I don't say sweetheart. I say, honey, why would I say? Yeah. So I, I try, I tend to um, ask people if they feel comfortable with it. And be natural and with be it. And be natural, yeah, because it, it comes across as fake and it comes across as like, do you really mean that? Or, yeah. you know, and so a lot of the times, a lot of those scripts, we just had to kind of mark out a lot of that dialogue and say, well, let's just go with it. Let's see what you would say. And then that's how we would go about it. You talked a little bit about not being on the, on the director side, but you had acted before doing yes. this, right? Yes. Oh yeah. That was a lot. Um, I have acted before I was in homicide hunter on investigation discovery, um, I was on ATL Homicide on TV One um, where I had substantial dialogue. And like I tell everybody, I just wasn't in the background waving and right. smiling. You weren't uh, dead body number three. <laughs> right. No, no, no. <laughs> I, was, I was very much uh, somebody who had a name. I had a name, D'Angela Redding. Um, and it was based on a true story, so I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Um, and I always liked um, uh, films based on true stories because I like – I'm just a history buff. That's just me. I, I had done the acting before. It was just acting and directing, those are two totally different mindsets that you have to be in. And perspective, right? And perspective, yeah. It's like, as an actor, I have to be, uh, it sounds cliche, but I have to be the person. Mm-hmm. So, um, if, if you know, Ashley will walk into a room and say, hey guys, how you doing? Oh, okay, how's your wife doing? You know, I will walk in and say that. But if my character's a little bit more withdrawn and, you know, sunken in and she's just not really, I wouldn't come in the room saying that. I would say... Hi. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. You know, and be a little bit more timid. So you got to think about that. And then as a director, you're not even thinking about that. You're just thinking of how everything looks. Mm. And you think about, okay, well, if this is set in the 50s, we can't have that Toyota Corolla back there. <laughs> because, right. no, that would, no, that's not historically accurate. Um, and then a few times you have to look for your angles. So sometimes for cinematic feel, if there's a scene where it's a lot of emotion, a lot of sadness, you know, you want to get up close to their face to be able to see that instead of having a wide shot and you're not being able to tell what's going on or who who's sad, who's, you know, whatever. And so it was, it was a lot. And again, I just thank my friend Samantha Hawkins for being there um, because she was able to direct me while I was acting in, in the moment. So I could give her the reins and say, hey, you know what I want. And she says, yeah, I know, you know. And she'll tell me, Ashley, that was terrible. <laughs> and she will. And yeah. I will say, okay, you know. <laughs> but you need that, right? You need that you need honest that. feedback yeah. and somebody to tell you straight up, right? Yeah, yeah. And she will. She will not hold back. But I love her for that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was, it's, it's two totally different perspectives. So yeah. you said you got into this a little bit just to write and because you had time on your hands and stuff like that. Was that your expectation that you'd actually – do all this? No. Okay. <laughs> no, none of this has been, I have, I did, no, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, I just thought it would be something fun to do. Um, during the time I wasn't getting a lot of jobs and, and it was always, I got, I always say acting, you get a million no's before you get one yes. Mm. And so it was, oh no, you're too short. Well, I can't do anything about that. Yeah. I'm not going to wear heels. I mean, I came in with shoes today. Like I'm not wearing <laughs> heels. Um, or, oh, your hair's too short. Uh, okay, 
I, yeah. All right. I'm not going to do anything about that. So I got a lot of no's. And, and then finally I said, well, if I'm getting a lot of no's, I feel like I still need to be doing something. I can't just wait for somebody to give me my chance. I have to take it. And hence, I just started writing and, you know, seeing what will happen. And now I think I'm. Uh, <laughs> it started out as a hobby and now it's kind of getting into like a full-time job almost. Wow. Um, because a lot of people saw Tony Mamikani and they saw the reception that it's getting and they're like, wow, you know, we need you to bring awareness to this cause or to this topic and we want to do uh, this film with you. And I'm like, sure, as yeah. long as it's in Gastoni, I'm cool. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so I guess, you know, that's another question. You know, it's a, a short film. Is there any time that you want to do a bigger production of this and be able to tell more of the story that you had? Absolutely. The goal is to do a feature film, um, especially for Tawny Mamie Connie. I feel like there's a lot of things that were kind of left unsaid at the end. Um, well, I can go to, I can tell you now because it's already out there. But at the end, um, you see Tony Mamie and Connie kind of go off to the, to the side, almost like they're about to play their last game before Tony gets traded to Kansas City. And that's it. That's the cliffhanger we leave you with. Mm. What will happen? Will she be okay? Will she retire? I know what's going to happen. She will retire. But, I right. mean, you yeah. know, it's still a cliffhanger. And I want to kind of delve into a little bit of their backgrounds before they got into um, baseball. And that's the goal. That's the goal. And actually, on our website, um, people can still have the opportunity to give, to donate. We have T-shirts. We have masks. We have everything. Uh, so if people do feel the need, that will go all towards putting this into a feature film. Uh, com is the, the website and people can just feel free to give and we'll keep this rolling until we have the funds to make it a feature film. That's awesome. And the, in the meantime, you guys are doing, you've entered it in some different contests and film festivals already? Yes. Um, over, I'm, I'm at this point, 50 film wow. festivals um, across the world and, and we're trying to you know, get it seen everywhere. Um, so we did the Cannes Film Festival or Short Film Festival. Okay. Um, we've done North Carolina Film Festival, Raleigh Film and, and TV Award Festival, um, the Black uh, Carolina, North Carolina Black Film Festival. Um, oh gosh, it's so many. I just it's, it's so yeah. many. Uh, Los Angeles, they have one in there as well. Um, but I've just been submitting it everywhere so that I can show everybody this history that was lost. Have you reached out or had any family members from them reach out to you knowing that this? I'm glad you asked. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so funnily enough, um, we were, I was prepping for my premiere in Charlotte. We had one in Charlotte and one in Gastonia last year. And one of, I'm, I'm uh, a member of the Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Um, and one of my sisters, um, line sisters, she said, um, what's her last name, Mamie? She's like, what's the last name? And I said, yeah, Mamie Johnson. And she said, mm. she said, she's from South Carolina, right? And I said, yeah. And she says, her mom's last name, was it Belton by, by chance? Yes. Is there any, what, <laughs> where are we going with this? Right. She said, well, um, I wish you had to say something, Ashley, because that's my grandmother. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And I said, wait, what? <laughs> And and I'm thinking, 
okay, I'm already at the end now. The film is already done. Right. And I'm preparing for a premiere. And I'm like, why did you? Because I put it on Facebook everywhere. And I'm yeah. like, why did you not tell me? And she said, honestly, you, her name is Mamie Johnson. Johnson being her married name. But I didn't put two and two together. And she said, mm. I knew Mamie Belton because that's her that's her name. And, and I said, oh, my goodness. I said, well. I mean, please come to the premiere. I would love to see you guys, and I would love to, you know, kind of take it to you and say, hey, this is her family. Um, but that, that that's the only only ones that reached out. Um, I also reached out to – there was a play um, in 2019, 2018, before the pandemic, um, where April Mathis played Tony Stone. She's a broad – well, she's an actor – on the stage. Okay. Um, so I reached out to her and she was super, super excited to see that it was a film. Um, it was a few others that have played, I believe it was another um, play done in Atlanta. And I reached out to that actor and she said, wow, you know, team Tony. Oh my gosh. Let me know <laughs> when, when this, you know, whatever you need. Um, but yeah, no, that was the only family members that have, have reached out. Yeah. That's really, I mean, it's funny that that kind of happened that way. Yeah. I mean, and like I told her, I said, I, you, I put it on Facebook a million times. What? And she said, I just, I didn't put two and two together. And I'm like, you tell me now mm-hmm. after everything's done. Like, oh, so. So did they, did they come to the premiere? Did they, what did, what was the feedback from the family? Yeah. Every, I mean, they were very excited to see it. Um, them as well as everybody else, they are just waiting to see what happens next. And yeah. so they're just like, when are you going to do a feature film? Mm. And I'm like, well, we have to get funding for it. So right. feel free to share. Feel you free to- <laughs> You're sitting on a million and a half? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you, you want to do, like, for real. And, and so, um, so, I mean, she, they're very excited that this is, that this is going on because they've known how legendary their grandmother is. And now for it to be on, you know, the, for everybody to see, they're like, oh my goodness, like, please let us know if there's anything that we can do. Mm -hmm. Well, and stories change, right? So this is something they can pass down forever. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's just awesome to think that they loved it. Yeah. I think that's. So I get the sense from you, like you live this, right? I mean, you engulfed yourself with it and it's a part of you now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have other stuff in in the works that you're working on, or is it solely driven at you know trying to make sure this gets as much publicity as it can? Well, so I'm glad you asked again. Um, I I definitely have a lot of my energy going towards this project, towards making it a feature film. But I do I I just wrapped up on a production uh, titled Elizabeth, and it's a little bit. Um, different than Tony Mami Connie. This is more of like a psychological horror horror film. Oh wow. Um it was filmed in Gastonia as well. Okay. Um and it's it's actually going to we're gonna have a, a premiere in Charlotte at the I can never pronounce this right. Ayersley, Arsley Okay. Grand Cinemas in Charlotte. I, I don't know you. which one. Arsley. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got you. And so uh, we're having that June 4th from 6 to 8 where people will be able to see the film, um, meet the actors, and, um, yeah, just be able to see a good film and watch it in, in the theater. Um, and then that as well as um, with this, the interview that I did with Spectrum News, um, I had a lot of people show, like, send me messages on Twitter, Facebook. Hey, I have a story f- idea for you. Yeah. And so it was this one guy, Matthew Memrick. Um, hey, Matthew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, he, he he messaged me on, on Twitter, and he says, hey, I got a, a story idea for you. And he added a link to it. And I thought, 
mm, it's just Twitter. You know, you just never know. Right. You know, it could just be a weird, like, I don't know. There's a lot of weirdos. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so I clicked the link, and I read it, and it was an article about these seven African-American students in 1969 um, that took over a building, the science building in Belmont Abbey. I had no clue. I had no clue. And and he said how, you know, they had a list of demands, which now their demands are what we have. It's, it's stuff that we have now. Mm-hmm. He wanted, uh, they wanted MLK Day to be a holiday. They wanted uh, an African-American mentor. They didn't have that in 1969, and they just wanted one. They said, please just give us one. Um, it, and it was just a lot of other things. They wanted um, African-American literature in the library. They wanted all these things that mm. we have now, but they, it was it was like, what? You want this in 1969? No. Um, and it all happened in our backyard, Belmont Abbey College. Wow. And and so I looked into it, and, and I gave them a call, and I said, hey, this is something. I didn't even know about this. My sister went to Belmont Abbey College. I filmed there, and I had no, no, I didn't know about this. And so, um, Right now, we're talking to some of the students. They're still living. They, they are able to tell their story um, about what happened. They, they took over the building for 14 hours with Gaston County Police Department there. And um, unfortunately, their demands were not met. Um, and I believe they all got suspended from school and they had to go elsewhere for school. Mm. Um, but it is something that I asked my dad and I asked my mom, hey, did y'all know about this? And they were like, no, 1969, I was, I was eight or I think my mom was nine. So she wasn't looking in the news, you know, and my dad, he said, no, I've, I've never heard of this story. And so here's another one where same like Tony Mamie Connie, um, a lot of people don't know about the story. And I think, um, this is a story that needs to be told. Um, cause we think of the civil rights uh, movement as not happening (laughs) in Gastonia (laughs) and you know, Oh, that didn't happen here. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, this, you know, it's closer to home than a lot of people may know. Yeah. So, but that's that's another one. That's very early in the stages. We haven't even had a script yet. We're just kind of meeting all of the the people who were around at that time. Some of the students um, are still alive, thankfully, um, and they're able to tell their stories. So that's that's very early in the process. For me, that would be one of the really cool things about doing a job like this is that you get to talk to so many people that basically lived history mm-hmm. and really get kind of that first and experience of, of what it was like uh, for people that maybe they didn't know that they were making history, but looking back, they realize it. Yeah, it's, it's something, too, because you think of 1969, and, I mean, even for me, I was born in 1993. I definitely wasn't thought of then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you think of it as being a long time ago, but there's a lot of people who are still living as of today that can tell you, hey, yeah, I was there when this happened, and I oh, yeah. remember that whole heart. Like, I remember everything about it. And it wasn't so far ago. I mean, that's not so long. And I, I just feel like that is a side that we just need to tell um, to show people that, I mean, we have history here, too, that we need to kind of look into so that we can kind of prevent it from happening in the future. So all this made me think, if Tony, Connie, or Mei was here, what question would you want to ask them? Ooh. How did you do it, honestly? How could you apologize, specifically for Mamie, and well, for Tony, too, she was the first. How did you do it? Because... No, (laughs) you know, I can't even imagine um, doing that. I mean, and then to think of Mamie being up until her second trimester and still playing with the guys. Yeah. What? 
How how did you how did you because this is what I always say. We all have the same 24 hours like Beyonce, and, and, and yet she is who she is. She's a superstar. So I would really love to just see and, and get an idea of how was it? You can't put that in a newspaper article. Yeah. You can't put that in um, a book or, a, you know, I just want to hear from the horse's mouth. How was it during then? Especially being how, I mean, she was 18, 19 years old. I can't even think of myself being 18, 19 years old and, and, doing that I I know <laughs> the resiliency to have yeah. and the determination to want it yeah and go yeah. through all of that yeah and still have her family and still have her her child and you know her husband and everything that she has and she was a very sharp lady as I saw in her interviews very sharp mm-hmm. uh, up until you know she passed away but um just I just want to know how they did it and how they got through it and if they count what they did as heroic, because even listening to the guys in uh, the with the takeover in 1969, they don't think that they were heroic. They think, oh, this was embarrassing. I got suspended. Like, mm. you know, I was the first in my family to go to college, and I did that and came back home. That's embarrassing to me. And I had to say, like, no, do you realize what, you, what you've done? Yeah. That's not embarrassing. That's heroic. I don't know if I would have the, the nerve, the audacity. The, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, so I think, I think I would just ask that to really kind of get inside of their minds. How did you do all of this given the time? So if people want to go and check out the film, go to your website, right? Go to the yes. website. Yes. com. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today for, for talking with us about the film and, and best of luck, you know, as you continue on with some of the stories that you're hearing about and either turning this into a feature film or your the next projects that you've got on the horizon. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here.